This week's podcast brought to you by Comeovers and Hangovers. I ran into a friend of mine the other day who was um, an executive at a, at a company, and he was attending. You told me he was attending this spring, later this spring, a gathering of these other of corporate titans in in Naples, Florida, and that these corporate titans, some of them retired, some of them were were uh, very senior ranking CEO types, and um, my friend talked to a guy who had attended this same function last year and asked him how was it and the guy's response was man i thought i was old and rich when i went down there i realized i'm neither saying says no pain no gain and we found that to be fact Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. This is a very special day, a very exciting day. It only happens once every three or four years. You have an appointment today to get a new minivan. I have an appointment to get a new minivan because my lease has matured. I was thinking about how that's such a weird phrase to say your lease has matured. Who, and says, so who says that? I've never heard they that. They say that, yeah. And, and once your lease matures, then you go and you uh, you get a new lease on who, a different car. Who says that? I've heard it before. From where? I don't know, but it's. I think it's a common phrase that people use. The, I certainly wouldn't. Did the guy at the car dealership use that on you? I think so. But anyway, my lease has matured. And that necessitated the cleaning of the of the current car. And as I was going through the glove box, I was thinking that the glove box is one of the places where things go to die. You know, th- there were things in there that have zero reason to be in there. I think they've been in there since I got the car. I've not used them. And so I thought the, our listeners would enjoy hearing some of the things that went to die in our glove box. I, I would think that they would just preload the glove box, glove compartment as I like to call it, with uh, a McDonald's napkins because that ends up taking up 90% of the space. But no, you're here to tell me that... It's, it's the, usually actually um, Starbucks napkins. But yes, I, I like to have a supply of napkins. Those don't go there to die. We, we use the napkins and then we replace them. But this is what I... Some of the things I found when I cleaned out the glove compartment... Not just one straw, seven straws. Now, I, I was just about to say McDonald's straws wrapped in paper are usually fill the glove box. Well, there should be one of those in there because you always need the extra straw just in case if you go through a drive through they forget to give you a straw that you need. Or so if the juice box straw isn't surgically attached to the juice box. That happens sometimes, and you have to poke a hole big enough to fit a McDonald's straw in there. Right. The McDonald's straw, though, isn't pointy enough or strong enough to poke the hole in the juice box no, no, no. or the you little milk you have to use your car key, yes, which, of course. of course, is sanitary. But anyway, so yes, you, you should have one straw in your glove compartment, but there were seven straws. And then I had some sets of plastic silverware. And I don't think you even need one set of that. You don't really need a knife or a fork or a spoon because if you're eating something in the car, it should be a hand food, like a sloppy joe or what What would a viewer call it long ago? And yet, not long ago, I was driving our eldest daughter somewhere and she was riding the shotgun seat and she was eating rice with a fork. And believe me, that rice is all over the car. Oh, yeah, that that's not coming out. So anyway, I had four 
four sets of plastic wear in the glove box. There were menus um, from restaurants that we never order from. And are no longer extant. No longer what? They no longer exist. Oh, yes. No, yes. So, uh, and then my favorite, and the, the one thing that I used to use a ton, but I don't use much anymore just because the world has changed. But I had, and you're going to know as soon as I mention this, I had an old, um, a bottle that used to contain anti-inflammatories. And it's full of quarters. And it's actually a pill bottle is a perfect size for quarters. And I used to have that full in my glove compartment for when I went and parked somewhere where you actually had to put quarters in the meter. Well, you don't have to do that anymore almost ever. You use a credit card. It makes me think of the evolution of stacks of quarters when you're a kid on the arcade games. And the, the, that stack of quarters uh, said that... That set your t- claimed your territory. Claimed your territory. Same thing on a, on a bar table for a pool table. If you had the stack of quarters that's your table. Then as you get a little bit older, the stack of quarters is for the laundromat or the laundry room. When you had to put the quarters in the machine and do the shunk shunk, do you, do you remember that? Did you yeah. always have a laundry card? No, no, no. I, I, I used quarters. And then, and then as you get middle-aged and you're driving your fourth minivan, you used it for parking meters. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and, and it tells you how old and how long I've been using this pill container. I looked on it and it was an anti-inflammatory that I used to play. I, I used to take when I was a basketball player and the address on on there was my name and the address that uh, the pharmacy sent it to was Four Penn Plaza so Madison Square Garden so that was how that's how long I've had this little container but yeah what do you do now I mean you and I have been playing eight ball frequently but we've been only been playing it on our phone like do you still put quarters into a to play pool how does how, sure. does, how do you how play pool a bar these table work? i mean if i don't know but it just made me think that i still have all of my prescriptions mailed directly to madison square Garden. <laughs> i'm sure you do when i was in college i remember one of the guys figured out because you'd put in you know four quarters and you yeah push it push it in and out of the slot to do your laundry and um some guys figured out that if that if you put the quarters in pantyhose and did that, you'd keep your quarters, but you could still do the laundry. Clearly, one of them learned that from a woman. I would imagine that the guys weren't wearing pantyhose, but perhaps they were even in those when days. You, when you say those um, guys were putting their quarters in pantyhose, <laughs> which quarters are we talking about? Their hind quarters? Their hind quarters, exactly. But yeah, how, how now things have completely changed. I, don't, I, I might have difficulty figuring out a, um, a dorm laundry machine without having a quarter slot. Well, I think you last oh. I used a laundry machine in an apartment building in New York, there was a laundry card like a like a swipe card. I assume that's still the case, but maybe there's some it's miraculous It's probably technology. Apple Pay. You probably put your watch or your phone up to it and uh and there's something like that. I don't know. It's it's been a really long time since I've had to do laundry outside of our home. We do laundry every what 3 or 4 hours within our home, but uh it's been a long time since we've done it outside. The other great uses for quarters, uh, vending machines, payphone. Used to carry quarters in case you had to make a phone call. Back in, when I was a little kid, a dime. But um, in the Aldi parking lot, using the shopping cart at the Aldi parking lot, you have to put a quarter in to get the shopping cart, as we've talked about before right. on the show. I think we've exhausted the uh, uses of quarters. The uses of quarters, and we didn't even know we were going to go there. Last week, you posted on Instagram a uh, photograph of us, uh, I think of yourself, in a hooded sweatshirt freezing in the basement. That was on our Ball and Chain Instagram right. account that you had forgot existed. Ball and Chain podcast at Instagram, yes. I don't think I forgot. I just didn't know it existed. But uh, 
many people replied to that, that um, why don't you get yourself a space heater already? Right. Why don't we do that? Well, that's interesting that you bring that up because our daughter a few weeks ago was going to have a couple friends sleep over. And I mentioned to you, you know, they might want to sleep in the basement because they'll be up later. Uh, maybe we should think about getting a space heater. And you said, we don't need a space heater. I and said that? Yeah. These are the kind of things that you don't even remember that you've but kind of. I've I've always said I've said that about everything. You I wanted know. To, you wanted to get a, a a swimming pool. I said we don't need a, a pool. I didn't grow up with a pool. You didn't grow up with a pool. Why do we need a pool? And we ended up getting a swimming and, and, pool. And and it was one of the best things we ever. Pretty much every day for yeah, three months of our, the year. Our kids are. So why it. do you listen to anything I say? I generally don't, but I just want to bring this back to you because you bring this up as if it's some you know, revelation and what a great idea. So what I should do is just open up a, a, a Twitter handle that you're unaware of and then send suggestions there. And you'll think a stranger has suggested a space heater or whoever knows what else. And then maybe you'll consider some of the things I suggest and, and, and not immediately as soon as the, the words come out of my mouth. No, we don't need that. Space heater sounds to me like a, a cigarette that astronauts would smoke. <laughs> I'm going to fire up a space heater. Doesn't it? It does. And I remember when uh, basketball players, big players, post players, not unlike yourself, would be called space eaters. They need a, they need a space eater, somebody who will eat up that, that yes. space. Yes. Do they use that term anymore? Yes. They do. Sometimes, yeah. But not space heaters. <laughs> well, I'm sure in a different context they would use the phrase space heater, but not, what in, is a, the difference, not in a basketball game. What's the difference game? between a space heater and a heater? A, a space heater just heats that space. And a heater heats what? A heater heats multiple spaces. Infinite, <laughs> infinite galaxy. I mean, the infinite universe. What? Everything is space. It's heating a I space. I know, but I think it, it's to, to make sure you're aware that it's only going to heat a smaller area. A heater makes you think, all right, this is going to heat my, whatever area I need. The space heater is only going to heat that small space. Well, speaking of space, uh, did I mention this last week? I don't think I did. We were driving around and, and our youngest said to me, Dad, we're just floating in space. Earth is just floating in space. Did I tell you this? No, you didn't. Yeah, she said, she said it's weird. We're just floating in space. And I said, yeah, that's right. We're, Earth is, is in space. And uh, isn't that cool? I mean, isn't that fascinating? And she said, no. I said, well, <laughs> what what would you prefer? And she replied, not floating in space. <laughs> well, she was she, genuinely unsettled well, by that. Well, of course. She's eight. There's, I just remember as a kid, just all of a sudden a thought would pop into your brain and it would make you uncomfortable. It's and, kind uh, of that first early glimpse into, oh, my gosh, this is nothing is safe or secure. We're floating, floating in, space. in space. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space, a great uh, early 90s. For our song. third straight Tuesday, we're, we're not in basement in an empty house because last week it was kids' February vacation. The previous week there was a snow day, and today that that aforementioned eight-year-old is homesick and uh, just laying on the couch, and and you almost forget she's there, and then you hear this little voice, "Can I have something to eat?" <laughs> and you realize, oh, there's a sick little person here, and she hasn't eaten yet today. So we do need to uh, check check on her in a little bit well she shamed me on sunday because you were working all day i mean you left at 9 a.m you were getting home at 9 p.m or something and and uh she had slept over with two of her siblings at their cousin's house the night before 
and her uncle made her and the other kids chocolate chip pancakes for breakfast. But when we were going to the final youth basketball game of the day, which was actually at 7 p.m. and we were leaving uh, at 5.30 for reasons that I won't bore you with, she said to me, I had to wake her up to, to put her in the car at 5.30, and I gave her a stack of toasted crackers for the car ride. She said, not as a complaint either, she said, today I, my breakfast was chocolate chip pancakes, my lunch was fries, and my dinner was crackers. Yeah, I got home from work that night. As you said, I was at work all day. We had a triple header. I got home, and uh, she told me the same thing. She said, Mom, today I ate chocolate chip pancakes that Uncle Ron Ron made me, and then I had fries and crackers. And I just looked at her. But not together. That would be sad. That that meant all day. And then her older sister, the 12-year-old, said, we never eat dinner on Sundays. And I can't tell you. <laughs> what that did to me physically, my my heart. I can't tell sunk. you what it did to them physically. My heart sunk. My 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 stomach just got into a knot, and I just said, "What can I make you?" It wasn't for and a lack of of effort on I, my part. It's because we were out driving three and a half hours. I get it. I, I, different places, and when I went to the Burger King drive-through and asked what everybody wanted, ugh. our youngest said she only wanted fries. I like. I understand that there's there's a not story even, that not goes even, with all not of it. Not even chicken fries, just regular fries. It just it made my heart hurt. Well, this, this so, will make this no. will make your heart feel better. This will make your heart feel better. When we were ha- when we were having those fries, we had the discussion in the Burger King drive-through line about there's always that one fry that looks like a kind of crusty toenail. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, that it's makes sharp, me feel better. Sharp that. on both. It's kind of sharp all all along the edges and at both ends and pointy and and, and sort and a of little a brown, little yeah, brown and fungal looking. And uh, and as soon as I got my fries, I pulled out the toenail fry and asked if anybody wanted it so that was a that was a lovely moment well i'm glad you had that moment i had the moment standing in the kitchen while like my heart just hurt so yesterday i went to one of the orchards that's nearby and i stocked up i came home with chicken pot pie quiche chicken noodle soup shepherd's pie i came home with everything that they sold that was homemade by them and pie based and um well that's kind of what what it has to be in order to be frozen and then but it's in our freezer now and so all it's going to take is some thawing by you just take it or i'll I'll take it out in the morning on the days when i work all it's going to take is you putting it in the oven and i'm hoping leaving the degree of difficulty that low that maybe i will never hear our now sick eight-year-old tell me what her horrible sustenance was that day don't say now sick as if there's a causal connection between the two well, there could be. There isn't. But this all came about because I said, she said in the car the other day, we're floating in space. Ladies and gentlemen, we're floating in space. And and I hope that Denny will use this as an opportunity to play a bit, if we don't have to pay for it anyway, of Ladies and Gentlemen, We Are Floating in Space by Spiritualized, a great song from like 1990-ish. But enough about that. You don't want him to play the song about the fry that looks like a toenail? Uh, there should be a song like that. Flight but, of the uh, Concords might have one. Right. Before we move on, and we're talking about the comment that our youngest made, she said to me the other day, and I thought it was pretty uh, sharp observation, she said, we were in the car again, so she wasn't watching TV, but she said, Dad, why in TVs and movies, when somebody screams or talks really loud, birds fly out of trees? <laughs> 
But she's right. She recognizes that lame sure. TV movie trope. And I, so I explained, you know, sometimes if there's a gunshot or something, a flock of birds startled will fly, fly together out of a tree. And they're making a point, you know, that this sound is so loud and exaggerated that, that it's startling birds you in didn't trees. Say, you didn't say to our daughter, do you notice that there's no birds in the trees around our house? Or maybe it, she's noticed that too. Well, perhaps. I love when you when you press pause, by the way, and look at me and say, what does that mean? That meant our house is so loud that it scares the birds away. That's what that meant. <laughs> you know that people can hear this. No, I know. Okay. Um, good. I hope Denny leaves that in. Uh, we were The kids slept over on Saturday night because we were at a charity auction for one of the kids' schools. And uh, one of the auction items caught our attention, the silent auction. And yet we didn't bid on it. Bizarrely, we should have. Well, it caught our attention because we were wondering who in their right mind would bid on it. Well, who in their right mind wouldn't bid on it? And I won't say the name of the establishment, but I will be visiting it soon. Uh, basically, it was an intravenous bar. Care to explain, Beck? Well, it has nothing to do with the planet Venus. Why don't you no, or have... the Spinal Tap album Intravenous de Milo. Can you, you, you're the one who has all the information somewhere on your, on your person, so I think it's better for you to explain. Well, it's basically, um, as it was explained to me, you go there. It's sort of a, uh, uh, it's like a hipster hotel-looking yeah. kind of lobby place. And um, uh, licensed registered nurses, I'm told, hook up an IV to you and pump you full with, uh, there were various menu items. So as it was explained to me, if you're if you have a hangover, they'll they'll put something in there. If you have uh, if you're feeling a little, you know, need some energy, they'll put. Does it sound legal? Does it sound uh, medically advisable? Does it sound anything other than horrible? Well, I I thought if if, if I were hungover, which was the example given to me, I'd I'd, uh, I'd have them just inject uh, a a blended sausage McMuffin directly into my veins. <laughs> it was. I mean, I, I this place exists. Um, presumably because there's a market for it. But yeah, you pay, you go, you get an IV, and you choose... Vitamin infusions. Yeah, what vitamin infusions you want sent into you intravenously. It sounds horrible to me. FAQ, if, is it safe? Yes, it is safe. Well, w what if you... Uh, you know, it, this is, you know, if you're dehydrated, well, what if you're ne not dehydrated? So you're just sending an excess, so you're just going to, you know, urinate a lot that day. That sounds like a lot of fun. If you're hungover and, and, and you're dehydrated, well, just drink some water. Well, I mean, there, uh, there's I, nothing about this that, that example, was appealing that, at all. That example is particularly absurd because if you have a crippling hangover, you're going to go to a place to be hooked up to an IV right. rather than just continuing to lie there on the couch and watching like, TV. What, what were the, some of the vitamins? TV, not IV. Yeah, That's the mine. vitamin infusion. You know, you need vitamin C. Okay, I'll I'll drink some orange juice. You need vitamin D. You know, I'll, I'll take a. I'll go outside and stand in the sun for a little while. Like the 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 notion that you can get all everything that you need to make you feel better. But but the one woman was talking about it, and and I don't I don't think she's experienced it before. She might have had a friend who did, and and, and said you know the. Her, her skin was glowing and, and you know, her face and looked so her good. Eyes. And what's that? And so her, were her eyes. Yeah, right. Like, I just, there's zero part of me that that thought this had any appeal whatsoever. Well, I said, I won't say the name of this particular establishment. I'm sure they're all over it. It, it strikes me as like intravenous froyo places where you can go choose. <laughs> this, I want these two things mixed together. But uh, it, it should be called, you go first. <laughs> right.
Right. And it's like, I think it's a, it's a between one and $200 for, for a treatment. And then you a la carte add whatever vitamin infusion. If you, you want, want like uh, like Heath bar topping or want to put right. M&Ms or gummy worms on top, you can do that. Now, the only part of it that sounded appealing to me was the notion that you're there without your kids asking you for something. But even the picture of the IV bar, uh, you know, with the way the chairs were set up in a room, it looked very much like how my mom would describe the facilities when she when she would go get chemotherapy you know you're hooked up to an iv you're sitting in a chair you know you're sort of relaxing while this is happening i don't know i i it, i was blown away by this whole thing or possibly like a methadone clinic where you're you're in there to get off junk yeah i have no idea you mentioned that we we saw this item at um at a charity function and you and i were saying how it's interesting to be at different events where neither you nor i had anything to drink um, but other people have, and how, and I was thinking when I was in college, having that revelation too, like driving um, friends around because I was a designated driver, and, and how different the environment seems when you're one of the few people who has not consumed any beverages, and uh, how sometimes that can be very entertaining. Well, are you saying everybody else is having fun and you aren't, or or you're it, you're scornful of the fun that everybody else? No, is no, having? I, I'm I'm loving all the fun that everyone else is having. I'm having a different kind of fun and uh, appreciating the completely clear goggles that I'm wearing at the time. I, th- I think that's what I'm saying. The clear goggles that you're the wearing. The clear goggles. Yes. Were you wearing clear goggles or beer goggles well, when you met me? Um. I don't know. Those might have been a stronger kind of goggle. <laughs> As I've said before, it was just so dark in the Dublin house that it, it, it would have required night vision glasses to have gotten a better uh, look at me. I just want to take another look at you. Thank God you didn't. You've not traveled for the last 10 days or so? Oh, it's been longer than that. Longer I think I've got a full two weeks under okay, my belt since I've traveled. It's been glorious, but we do need our IV fix of travel stories. And therefore, this is not viewer mail, but this ca- this came in through viewer mail, but we're not ready to open the viewer mail uh, bag yet. So I'm just going to pull this one out and use this uh, now here in the middle of the podcast. This is from Diane. Diane writes to um, the ball and chain pod at Gmail account. Hi, Rebecca and Steve. A coworker shared this with me and it made me think of Rebecca and all of her crazy travel stories. Uh, sitting next to a cello seems more and more appealing after you've read this. And there is a link to a story from people.com about a woman flying from uh, Paris to Los Angeles um, on Air France. And she, this was posted, I guess, on Twitter or Instagram photographs of this happening. A guy got on the plane, went into the bathroom, came out of the bathroom with his pants off and sat down in the seat next to this woman, uh, just in his boxers. And (laughs) there's a picture of the guy and it's not a, a flattering picture to, by any stretch. And the flight attendant seemed indifferent to her plight, the passenger's plight, and, and indifferent indeed to his, uh, his pantslessness on the plane. Your thoughts? I'll hang up and listen. My thoughts? Well, um, I would be a little bit uncomfortable if, if the person sitting next to me wasn't wearing pants. Um, although the, the on pic- an airplane. On an airplane. Well, most places, if I, if the person next to me wasn't wearing pants, except that maybe, you know, a poolside or something. An IV bar, yeah. Or, yeah, an IV bar. But uh, it's a little bit more surprising that the flight attendants didn't care. Was this a Frenchman or is this an American? The the woman specified that she was neither, that the passenger was neither American nor French, but that another passenger boarded with a ukulele and the gentleman, the pantsless gentleman, 
beckoned uh, the ukulele owner over and said, hey, sit over here and play us some, some music. The guy with the ukulele, to the, to the everlasting gratitude of everybody in the plane, declined to play ukulele with the pantsless man. I think one of the most surprising parts of the pantsless guy is this. I think airplanes are really cold. I'm, I'm surprised that he was removing layers <laughs> instead of adding layers. What would, what would you have done if a guy that's sitting next to you on the plane did this? Would you, would you be fine with it? Would you care? I mean, I would, I would think it would make a woman more uncomfortable than it would make a man uncomfortable, but everyone should be uncomfortable with a, with a pantless seatmate. I would, I would uh, insist that the gentleman put his pants back on. And if he declined, I would, I would summon a uh, flight attendant. Summon, that sounds like I'm ordering people around. I would, I would request the attention of a flight attendant with my call button and uh, inform her that the gentleman next to me is pantsless, and surely Air France must have a no shoes, no pants, no service policy. There's um, th- there's something pretty great though about the the woman who posted this. Her 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 reaction it was not to to inform the flight attendant. It was to take pictures of the guy in his boxers and post them on social media. So it would end up getting picked up by People magazine. So are you suggesting that that perhaps this man was shamed? The man who walks onto a jumbo jet traveling from France to Los Angeles, it's got to be a 12-hour flight, is shamed because it was posted on social media. He's a guy who took off his pants when he got on an airplane. I don't oh, think I don't think a shame is really shameless in uh, his uh, repertoire. Obviously, yes. but, but is that that much worse than, um, okay. He also took his shoes off to take sp- his pants off and left his shoes off. So is it much worse than taking off your shoes? Probably not. No, no, this is going to be my question. And, and forgive me for not knowing the answer to this because I fold enough laundry that I should know the answer to this. But do boxer shorts in 2019, do they still have the opening in the front? I assume so. Because if it didn't, it wouldn't be that much different than the guy wearing shorts. But the opening in the front of the boxers, as a technicality, makes this much, much worse than just sitting next to someone with shorts on. Well, mercifully, there was no... Uh, Nothing in the picture that could could tell us that, but you know, I, I may have said this before. I've sat next to a guy once who I was uh, clipping his toenails on the plane, and the, the little the little crescent moons of of toenail were you know cartwheeling past me as as uh, he he clipped them. He probably should have been using a, a circular saw on these nasty toenails, but um, and disgusting. I've also seen uh, somebody change a baby dirty diaper uh, on the tray table yes which when the next person gets off the plane another person gets on will be eating off that tray table yeah awful you have to leave in 17 minutes to get our new minivan our new minivan uh, is the exact same as the old minivan but the old minivan was white the new minivan is black so it's very exciting but but you do have to you have a hard out as they say you know the big difference between the old minivan and the new minivan is the new minivan at least not yet does not have any of the fries that look like toenails under one of the carpets. Well, we just cleaned plenty of those out of the out of the old minivan. So let's quickly open the creaking doors of Denny's uh, Curiosity Shop. When the meets uh, Denny Gallagher, Denny with one N, shop with two P's and an E. Hi guys, in honor of former St. Mary's guard, Marshala Ali. I'm, I'm saying his first name wrong and I apologize. He's a two-time, I believe, Oscar winner now. Winning another Oscar, what qualifies? What qualities that make a good actor also make for a successful basketball player? Rebecca, your thoughts? I don't think there's a lot of crossover. I mean, we, you know, 
you don't think he had a crossover? No, no, no. I don't. I don't think for most Oscar winners, there's a crossover to athletes. I, I was thinking this the other night as I was watching the acceptance speeches. How different, you know, actors and people in the arts tend to be in that sort of situation from athletes. Like if you and I know an ESPY is nothing like a, an Oscar. I, I acknowledge that, but when athletes get their awards versus when actors or anyone in Hollywood gets their awards, the way they respond to that tends to be very, very different. Well, I would argue that there's no difference whatsoever between the Oscars and the ESPYs. So, I mean, they're the same. They're, they're giving somebody a bauble for usually arbitrary reasons. There's fewer tiers at the ESPYs. Well, I'm saying the acceptance there's, speeches there's, are, there's are very much, different, of that's course. That's what I'm talking about. That I'm saying the acceptance speech and how, how the athlete responds to their award right, is but what, very but, different. But what you're getting at, dancing around, the ego of the of the award recipient is the same, has the same impulse to show up, to accept this trophy, to say, you know, wow, I'm, you know, my favorite, I'm humbled by this. I'm really humbled by this. Well, no, that's, that's not what being humbled means, but uh, it's well, I sort think of the, the opposite. I think this is the different difference. I think the athlete goes up there thinking he's the man, taking the trophy and saying, well, of course all of you recognize that I'm the man because I'm the man, versus the person who gets the Oscar who goes up and they seem like they truly need the validation of the people giving them the award to then make themselves feel well, worthwhile. Of like there's they a need total the validation. different the athlete doesn't need the validation. They know they because when they're out on the floor they're what they're doing is showing whether or not they are the best. Whereas You're saying that the actors are more insecure than athletes. I'm saying Yes, it's a completely different end of the spectrum athletes, in terms of security. Uh, and, and athletes, particularly professional athletes at that level, are renowned for their lack of ego and their uh, no, they their have security. They, they're, they're they have a huge ego, but they're secure in themselves. I, I think I think that athletes have huge egos and are very secure. I think people in Hollywood probably have huge egos, but at the same time are very insecure. Well, I'll, I'll agree on the latter. Um, I also enjoy the the Chevy commercial that opens with a graphic that says, real people, not actors, which is Chevy's way of saying actors are not real people. I suppose. They can't, when, when you're making a, a smirk, the, the listeners can't, can't hear or see that. Then he has a bonus question. As parents, how do you feel about your young children having cell phones at the dinner table? I mean, that's a, that's a non-starter, is it? Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I don't mean I don't mean having a cell phone at the dinner table. I mean, I mean being at the dinner table is a non-starter. <laughs> since I serve my kids crackers in the car. Yeah, there's no devices at the dinner table, and um, I mean, there I understand completely. There's situations where you're out to eat, and you have a young child who's starting to act up, and sometimes a parent might give them their phone just to keep them, to, you know, from disturbing everybody else in the restaurant, sort of a situation. But even the other morning, um, because we don't eat to breakfast together in the morning because everyone has a different schedule and and one of our kids was was eating her cereal and she had a device out and I just said you don't eat and look at your device at the same time just I don't care if it's a book I don't care if it's something else that's keeping you occupied but I just think it's a terrible habit to get into where you're looking at a device while you're eating and I understand it's a godsend for some parents too and for some children um, you know but um, as, a, as a general habit the less uh, looking at your device, I think. And especially better. when you're at home at the dinner table. None of us ever have our, our phones even nearby. No, but I mean, it's not like we're not, 
constantly looking at our phones. You get that sure. weekly report of how much time yeah. you spend on your phone. And, you know, I, I have my phone playing uh, soft jazz when the kids go to bed. They want, can you put on Pandora? And so I play like mellow music on, on that for, and maybe go back in and get my phone an hour later, but it's been playing, you know, it's right. been in use for an hour. We use it for ways all the time for directions. It's Sometimes it's in use for three hours in the day right. doing that. Every time I need to know the time, I look at my phone. So that's picking it up 20 times a day to see what time it is. And you and I do most of our communicating by text. So, you know, yeah, there's, you there's, can use your phone for four hours a day and, and not be absorbed in your phone. You right. can be reading a book you while your use, phone is being right. is playing music. Right. And, 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 and when I mention that about eating, I have to say, if I'm by myself, especially on the road, I, t- I try not to be at when I'm out for meals. I like to go with friends instead. But if I'm by myself, I do go on my phone. Well, let's get quickly to viewer mail, because if you're late for your the minivan appointment, they probably won't sell it to you. Right. They'll probably say, oh, it's been taken by somebody they'll, they'll else. They'll say only the pink one is still available. Yes, yes. So, um, so we'll, we want to get you on the road. So uh, let's open up our voluminous viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Okay, our, uh, our first one comes in from... Uh, Amy, Amy Beth, perhaps, ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Amy writes, good morning, Restiva. Please record my vote for most handsome president to the dashing number 14, Franklin Pierce. And she encloses a, a very dashing portrait of President Pierce, 1853 to 1857. While perusing the other options, she writes, my eyes frequently return to number 17, Andrew Johnson. With initial views, <laughs> my brain was processing the image as Bill Belichick. And he, she does enclose a portrait of Andrew Johnson in which he very much looks like uh, the most flattering portrait of Bill Belichick I've ever seen. But later I see Tommy Lee Jones, which is apparently a common idea on the Internet. So on the Internet, there, is, there are people uh, thirsting after um, presidents of, this, of the 19th century. And, um, this is like uh, people who write letters to prisoners. Andrew They're Johnson thirsting and after these, I, I certainly these hope so. particular presidents. And, and uh, there are listeners. Here, I've got one that came in to at ball and chain pod at twitter and this is from rich and rich says how often does steve wear the monocle and what sort of feedback is he getting from surprised onlookers what, he, what he's basically asking is who wears the monocle in your family <laughs> who wears the monocle in your marriage who takes off the pants on the yes, plane in exactly. your family who's not wearing the pants on the airplane i think uh we need to do an experiment and start wearing the monocle even for just a day and see what kind of I'll bust out the monocle. i haven't worn it in a while since i got my croaky uh from my same monocle dealer George and Columbus. Um, well, but speaking of that, I also got something from Twitter from Brian, and it's and he sends a picture, and it's sunglasses with the cord. Not all croquis are sold separately. This place actually sells the sunglasses already with the cord. It, I can't tell from the picture if the cord is detachable or not. I saw a gentleman last night at our daughter's basketball game wearing a croquis, and I, I dang near shook his hand and congratulated him. Ralph uh, in Maryland, who frequently laments our, our failure to post the podcast on Twitter, I believe. Yes. Uh, he, he laments that again. Uh, but what I like about this email is uh, he says, Coach Berube, Coach Carlo Berube, your, your My teammate. My former teammate, the head coach at Tufts. Now the head coach at Tufts. Coach Berube's jumbos would absolutely pummel the Lady Gators. He uh, He's referring to... Um, who is he referring to? I don't know. But anyway, uh, Coach Berube's jumbos relates to P.T. Barnum's Jumbo the Elephant 
He was an early benefactor, P.T. Barnum of Tufts University, apparently. I graduated from there when Rebecca was about eight months old. So that's the origin of, uh, of the Tufts Jumbos, P.T. Oh, Barnum's Jumbo the Elephant. Thank you. Very I did not know that. Uh, Michael in New Jersey writes, Greetings from Michael in New Jersey, oddly enough. It, regarding couples who share the same interest, you and I, of course, have, have no mutual interests, and that's the, the key to our, our marriage, I think. Um, Michael says, My wife and I inhabit the other end of the spectrum. As mom and pop owner-operators of a small home-based pet care service business, we work and live together 24-7. We must be doing something right, as this coming April will mark our 25th year in business. I don't know if he means in business as a married couple or in business as pet owner-operators. Uh, oh, for the record, we've been married for 33-plus years. Uh, sometimes things are meant to be, and while it might not be everyone's cup of tea, it certainly works for us. What I love about this is Michael's P.S. He adds that he is proudly comb-overed, and he There's says... There's no such thing. He's proudly comb-overed? Well, I'm going to tell you, and this is his line, and okay. I love it. And I'm going to grow my hair out and use this line. After 62 years, writes Michael, I must admit that I cannot part with my part. <laughs> God bless you, Michael. I've never, uh, good for him, because I just assumed most people who had a hangover, a uh, and not a hangover, a comb Most over. people who have a comb over have a hangover. <laughs> most people who had a comb over, I assume, didn't realize it was a comb over, because they, you know, you don't see the top of your head that they continued to comb their hair and just didn't realize it was a comb over. So I'm glad he knows it's a comb over, and he's still, he's proud of his comb over and likes his comb over, and, and good for him. Dr. Gary Siegel with two R's is uh, at a medical conference or at a continuing education meeting at the University of Alabama School of Medicine in Birmingham, where he trained years ago, staying at the same hotel as some of the college athletes from the American Athletic Conference, as there's an indoor track and field competition here in Birmingham. The University of Connecticut is one of the participating schools, although I've not seen any of their students here, just ones from Wichita State. Rebecca, do you have any thoughts? This is not from Dr. Siegel, but from me on that component of being a college athlete or even a youth athlete where you're on the road, you're staying in a hotel together, the pizza boxes, if you're on a travel team, are stacked up outside the hotel room. The kids are playing mini golf when they're not between games of the AAU tournament. Was that a, uh, one an of the important best bonding parts. times, even one in professionally, in the Olympics and all that? For, in the a for AAU kids, whether it's middle school, high school age, it's one of the best parts of going on those AAU trips is just, you know, you, usually, when I was a kid, it was your four to a room. And um, even if your parents made the trip, they w you weren't staying with them. You were staying with your friends. You're getting pizza. You're hanging out. It's your first kind of real independence with just being hanging out with kids all the time. And um, it's definitely an important part back in my day of, you know, bonding. And it was uh, it was great. I loved that part. And even, you know, we will go on a overnight with our kids AAU team. I think once a year they have an overnight and it's not that far away. But their favorite part is hanging out with their friends and swimming in, in the hotel pool. And um, it's, it's, it's glorious for, for a young kid playing AAU basketball to have that experience. By the way, Dr. Siegel was evidently composing this email on his phone during the uh, lectures at the medical conference because he writes all the best during a boring lecture during, during which I am gasp multitasking. So, <laughs> Well, how about this? My, my good friend Sarah who listens to the podcast. Thank you for listening, Sarah. She, uh, she t this morning texted me an article from the Hartford Current because recently we've talked about the, the places you buy tickets to then go and boo or heckle the person you've purchased the ticket to see. And we're talking about athletes, but also comedians was the big one. She sent me an article and there was a heckler at a local comedy club here in Connecticut who pulled a knife and threatened the comedian after the two exchanged insults. 
The police were called to the club inside the shops at Buckland Hills. Buckland Hills is a mall in Manchester. I didn't know there was a comedy club inside. Next to which you'll be getting a minivan very soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be a mile from there, not even when I pick up my minivan. So You better, you better bring a knife uh, well, to a knife fight. Um, the person was found outside the mall and told the police he left the club because the comedian was making fun of him. And um, actually, I, I feel much safer about going to pick up the van now because the article says that the guy was banned from the mall for five years. Well, anybody who would pull a knife at a comedy show certainly will respect a shopping mall ban, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah of course he won't. Knowing that uh, the guy on the Segway, Paul Blart, might he, he won't uh, go to the food out. court. Yeah, right. exactly. Quickly, Deborah writes, uh, Stephen, Rebecca, I was going to offer to be your staff court reporter, but then I heard you say tergiversation. So touche, Deborah. You can still be our staff court reporter. We just won't use words like that anymore, so you don't have to. Uh, can I just add this last thing? Do. Because we mentioned our daughter is homesick from school. We're in the basement. She's just upstairs. And on her device, she can text me and she can text you. And so since we've been down here, which hasn't been that long, I'm going to read some of the texts that she oh, sent please. to me. This is the new form of viewer mail. When will you be coming up? <laughs> which we received two minutes after coming down here, and then 20 minutes later, when will it be done? And then five minutes after that, are you almost done? And then, <laughs> and then the one that just came in, I know what I want to get off of Amazon. <laughs> because she got a gift card for Because Christmas. she has a gift card. So apparently not only has she been texting us she's been looking up things on amazon so anyway well good for her um, um just, uh, just are we uh, almost done we're almost done I, okay, one more here I, we've got a sick um, child i love this one me. from a i'm gonna call him dr k in indiana and he he says nice things he started listening to the podcast about a year ago uh on the treadmill at the y i've been a fan for some time having found steve's book the pint man in 2011 and enjoying rebecca's work on espn since I became a fan of women's college basketball via Notre Dame, sorry, around the same time. What prompted me to write today was the discussion of microphones and Rebecca's frustration at Steve's repeated test phrase. I like to say, Breaker 1-9, is anybody there? Come on back and talk to Teddy Bear when oh, we're doing our mic Oh, it's been check. a while. Why yes. do you have to bring that back? Okay, it brought up a memory from when I was 11 or 12, a time when my dad took me to a Notre Dame football game in the early 80s. Before the game, we were walking near the stadium while the sound system was being tested. The PA man said, the word possesses possesses more S's than any other word in English possesses. He repeated this five or six times in a row, and I have always remembered the sentence. While the statement isn't true, there are other words with five letters with five letters S in them, including possessionless, has six. I thought this could be an alternative microphone test phrase, or at least Steve might appreciate this story. I do appreciate the story. It will become my new microphone test phrase, and I'm wondering if that PA test was being done by Indiana State Police Trooper Tim McCarthy, who just retired a couple of years ago at Notre Dame, but he was the guy who at the end of the third quarter of Notre Dame football games for 55 years, would make the drive safely announcement and it ended with a pun that would cause the entire stadium to groan or, or boo or cheer all, all in one thing, he would say. And I went to many of these games, he would say, you know, at the end of the third quarter, you know, drive safely. Remember, no one relishes a pickled driver. Or, you know, drive safely. Um, what, and remember, when weaving in and out of traffic, can make you a basket case. And then the, the crowd would groan. Remember, the automobile replaced the horse, but the driver should stay on the wagon. Anyway, um, I do love that. The word possesses, possesses more S's than any other word in English possesses. And perhaps, not coincidentally, our, our correspondent, our good correspondent, is a professor of English in 
my father's hometown, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and his uh, email tagline is from Samuel Beckett. Where do you go from here? On. Thank you, Dr. K. All right. Now it's time for me to possess a minivan and to give my little girl upstairs a hug. So Before you do that, Rochelle uh, writes in, Hey there, just wanted to drop a line to let you know I just discovered the podcast and I love listening to it. Quite entertaining. Thanks so much for accompanying me throughout my workday. Thank you, Rochelle. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, R-Y-S-H-E-L. We are thankful to have you aboard. Rebecca, you've got to leave. I need to leave. And when I leave, just remember, our eight-year-old is here. And Tom, Dick, and Harry need to play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.